What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Grizzle Live. It's another interview series where we're talking to an expert in the Bitcoin and crypto space. Yeah, Welcome back. Yeah. No, it's a good one. So, yeah, it's obviously uh, it's been a great, good, old, volatile year for Bitcoin. And it's been on the positive side of the ledger. Um, things just keep the momentum keeps building. Uh, it's good to have you. We're going to have a, one of the guys who's been involved for a very long time. Charlie Morris. Bye, Charlie. Hello, real pleasure to be here. Charlie, welcome to the show. We're excited to talk to you. Yeah, Charlie, thank you. Thank you for uh, joining the Grizzle, man. Um, yeah, and so we're, we're uh, basically on YouTube, Twitter. Guys, if you're on um, YouTube, please give that a thumbs up. On Twitter, guys, hit, hit the retweet. That'd be, that'd be uh, much appreciated, plus some likes and all that good stuff. Uh, Charlie, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, obviously, a crazy year in in land of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. It, it really has been. I think that um, last year, last year was was pretty straightforward. You know, you had a you had a macro crisis. Bitcoin went down. That was easy. Then then everything recovered. That was easy. And everyone was piling. You could see all the build up. You could see the story improving. You could see the market tightening, and there were huge flows into it. And the conversation just grew up from from yeah. a sort of um, you know a very sort of uh, 2013 type narrative to something that sounded much more institutional. And it just took off. But then 2021 has, as you say, been absolutely mad. We've had, uh, you know, Elon Musk, we've had China, we've had regulators, uh, you name it. Amazing. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's been a trip, right? And, and you know what, it's, uh, it, th this last bounce back has been a serious, uh, it just it, kind of validation, if you will, right? This, this ain't going anywhere, right? I know, uh, you know, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, they're, they're the bears, at least, uh, you know, the non-believers non of, of uh, where Bitcoin's going. We're just saying, hey, listen, we're, we're going to test 10Ks and all that kind of, you know, now those guys don't really talk much. <laughs> <laughs> They've gotten very quiet. <laughs> We're beyond that. Uh, so, um, Charlie, it'd be great to get your history on how you, uh, you know, how you got into this. You've been in this since 2013. You, you want to just give us give us a primer on how you landed on blockchain, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency? Yeah, well, my first mistake was 2011 when a friend of mine told me all about this amazing thing called Bitcoin. And I stupidly wow. told him that he was being ridiculous because if you've got – uh, a bunch of numbers on a computer you can cut and paste them and surely you can um you can replicate the money but then i soon learned the error of my ways I and mean, when it was in the process of earning learning the error of my ways that i became fascinated and that was mid thirteen hundred dollars and i wasn't able to buy bitcoin because you couldn't open an account it was very difficult at that time um but i but i managed to get a bit here and there and and play with it and research it and analyze it and i just realized that this thing was real you know i'd watched gold from 1999 um do its thing and I realized this was just going to be gold, you know, Mark II in some way or another, different, same, same, but different as the story goes. And, and it was, it was, it was going to, going to, going to run. And I just felt that the institutions would eventually come on board. And I thought, well, I'll try and target something for institutions. You know, if we can just sort of approach this in a grown up, responsible way, impartial, um, that kind of thing, then, then, then maybe we can make a business out of that. So, so that's what we did. That's been fascinating, you know, and that that institutional uh, it's that institutional component that is, you know, that that is the real like, you know, that that's the real prize here. Right. Once once they start to see that, hey, listen, you know, Bitcoin looks, feels it's it has all the same properties as gold. Right. And, and that, you know, that, you know, that opportunity now. Now, how did. How have you gone to, you know, get that institutional audience? I know you have, um, you have an interesting product, which I, you know, you've done a fantastic uh, amount of 
research on it and uh, helping us understand bold, uh, but, but, you know, give it, give us the intro on that. But could you, could you help us understand, you know, what it takes to get institutional inside and where do you think we are in, in that journey? Um, I think we're at extremely early stages. Uh, I, I would think that in the U S um, they're probably further ahead of much of Europe. I know that some countries are more on side, like, for example, Switzerland in Europe would, would be, and the Germans possibly. But in UK, we were not to blow um, last October when our regulator banned most products, um, um, all the ETFs and so forth. And so it's been very, very difficult to drum up interest when for most, most institutional money touches retail at some point. So if you think of a mutual fund, if it, if it has a, a retail um, owner at some point, then that is, 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 is included. So it's difficult for them to allocate to a space. So you know, I'm living in the wrong country. You know, I spent a long time trying to trying to build this thing for the UK market, and then it was yeah. taken away from us. So that that is a that is a you know a real piece of bad luck. Um, I hope that reverses at some point. But you know, globally, institutional interest is is embryonic, um, but it's growing. I mean, look at the Coinbase results. I think you know Q2 Coinbase uh, shareholder letter, very good letter, tells you a lot of what you need to know with you know, how many more institutional clients they've got on board compared to the previous quarter. And basically there's them and there's Fidelity, there's a couple of others, but you know, what Coinbase is saying is basically a pretty strong market view. Yeah, yeah. And, and Charlie, so I think like, is there a point, at least I, I know obviously in the UK, in the US, once you get, is there a point where you can't put that genie back in the bottle where the regulators are like, are we beyond that point? Right. This is, this is here. It's here, here, to, here with us to stay. I think in Canada, you know, now we have two ETFs running. You can't put that genie back. You can't say, oh, okay, we're going to ban Bitcoin right now. It's, it's too late. No, I'm impressed with how the Canadians have pulled this one off because you've, and, and you've shifted from the structure of the closed ended fund, which is very famous and well-trodden path for the Canadian market. Um, and of course you've got the experience with the old friends and the metals and the oils and that sort of That's thing. Right. That's and right. it's a sort of continuation of that. And I think the regulators have seen it in that light. And so therefore it's, it's, it's been green lighted there. Um, but yeah, I mean, once a product's legal, it's pretty difficult to ban it. That's confiscation of asset, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So right. It's a real shame that we didn't get um, some, some products away in Britain that would have protected the entire um, ecosphere, I think. But nevertheless, you know, they're going to have to change it sometime because I, you know, I think it's increasingly obvious that this is real. And we've got regulators here uh, on the one hand, saying we love the innovation, we love the experiment, we want the jobs, we want the you know we want all this stuff, uh, but actually we don't like the reality of the fact that Bitcoin goes up and down. Yeah, right. Uh, and 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 that's just you know it's uh, one thing. I you know one uh, one one chart that I I've shown is just in terms of the maturation of the asset classes. What we want to see over time is volatility going down, and that we have yeah. seen that. We you know and and obviously you're going to get fits, and people say, well, it's a volatile. Well, you know that you're going to be in pockets of higher volatility, but at structurally, bit Bitcoin volatility has fallen, which has been uh, which you know which is underscored that it's a real asset class, right? If if it stayed at the same volatility that it was back in 2011 when you first found out about, it, I don't think you'd be sitting here, right? <laughs> But, but it's still too high. It's still way too, way too high. And my analogy on that, well, you know, what's the difference between Bitcoin and gold? And I'm not, I'm not talking about virtual and all that. Just, but, 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 but financially, what's the difference? And um, gold trades about 150 billion dollars a day, typically on average over time. It's a roughly speaking 12 trillion dollar market, um, and and its volatility has historically been around 18 percent. Yeah, Bitcoin. What is it? Um, vol the volume goes up and down all the time. But, but it's way less than $100 billion. The volatility is average, you know, it's between 40 and 60 um, on average most of the time, occasionally peaking, you know, occasionally popping up to 100. 
yeah. occasionally dripping down to 20. Um, and, and the distribution of ownership, you know, gold, most people in the world own some gold in some way, shape or form, whether it's, a, you know, it, 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 the, the men in Italy wear it around their neck and um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> other people wear it on their fingers or, you know, what have you, culturally, all these sort of things. It's very, very widely owned, the gold market. Bitcoin, yeah, it's growing rapidly, but, but it's, it's got a long way to go. Um, in, in, in that respect. So if you think about the volatility and the liquidity, the market size um, and the distribution, you kind of see the financial difference between the two. There is a catch-up game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You expect the volatility to come right down. Um, but the thing, that, the thing that gold has that Bitcoin doesn't is a value buyer, right? So mm. when the gold price goes down, the jewelers say, oh, this is very nice. You know, I think I need some more gold to sell in my jewelry shops. And the, the central banks in places like Russia uh, or Turkey will say, Do you know what, gold's low. Um, our currency is relatively strong at the moment. Let, let's top up. Yeah. So you've got the right. value buyer in the gold market, which you don't have in Bitcoin. You've got no central banks, and you've got no jewelry shop equivalent. And, Charlie, uh, do you do you think the the hodlers, as they're called in in Bitcoin, do they kind of work like value buyers, and and they they push each other? They're like buy more if it's down. I don't know. I mean, there's a narrative and there's reality. You can't really measure it. So. You know, I know there's all sorts of stats about, you know, number of coins hanging around for you, not moving and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I always felt that there was a network um, effect argument uh, about this, which is really important because you've actually, you know, a busy Bitcoin is a valuable, valuable Bitcoin, right? So if the network stands still and no one trades it, people just hold it, is that valuable or, or not valuable? And I think it's pretty obvious it's not valuable, right? You know, one of the, yeah, yeah, one, of, yeah. one, of, one of goals... Yeah. So one of gold's attributes is you know, $150 billion a day changes hands through all the derivatives and futures and stuff. You know, massive liquid market. You can yeah. you can you can play. And um, I would argue that, uh, that that Bitcoin needs to be busy. And right now, the last three months, what we're complaining about is that the network activity has, has collapsed. Right. So it's way lower than it was. So prices back up a bit. We sort of got half the high back. Um, but the network activity is really not supporting it. And, and you either need to see lots of inflows into Bitcoin from institutions, or you need to see a really busy, vibrant network. And there are lots of reasons um, why it's less busy. One of them, of course, is that if you wanted to buy an altcoin a couple of years back, everything, you know, you went, you bought Bitcoin, then you bought the altcoin, right? That was where the pair was. Yeah, yeah. But now it's all through stablecoin. So I think Bitcoin's role as the access to crypto in general has has diminished markedly. Mm. So, so that is that is one of the things. So you're left with the gold argument, you know, but but you know we all know about 1979 silver and bunker hung brothers. Yeah, right. And you know, silver goes to 50 bucks for a couple of days and comes down again. You know that's what the hodlers are achieving. You know, you, the, the most valuable Bitcoin possible in 10 years' time um, would be uh, widely owned and vibrant and have lots of use cases uh, beyond just money. You know, a bit like gold. You know, gold, gold hasn't got that many use cases, but you know, jewelry's a thing. I mean, people sort of write it off. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a thing. Yeah, no, you know, you've, you've really put it in a, in a perspective, you know, that whether holding it, you know, is it constructive for the asset class? And, you know, this, this, you, you do need to see, uh, you need to see volume, right? And if you can't have, you need both, right? And and you need buyers and you need buyers and sellers in the near term, you need long term holders to, you know, hodl, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a fascinating, uh, you, you've really laid it out in a fascinating way. It's, 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 it's definitely a compromise, you know, there's, there's a sweet spot. You, know, you don't want no hodlers because that's terrible because that's that's pretty hard to support a market with no one hodling. 
Yeah. But you don't want everyone holding it. So you want the right number of people to allow the network to breathe and, and, and prosper. And, um, and yeah, the market's trying to find that middle ground all the time, isn't it? But if we if this recent rally from 30 to 47 is, is, is on thin volume, then that's not as reliable as one that's on massive volume, right? And that's really interesting. So could, could I ask you like a quantitative question here? So where we stand now, 45, we're, when we were back at 45 earlier this year, was volume, volumes were higher, obviously. So we're in a different spot. We are. Well, basically, you know, why, why did Bitcoin go down um, a few months ago? I think it, what, my one word answer is China. You know, big country, a lot of players, a lot of miners, lot of exchanges you know yeah. the young people in china love this kind of thing and, and and when you restrict them then you're just basically smashing the network with a with a with a big hammer um, yeah. in a short space of time so i think that i think we can just say china and then a lot of the other regulatory conversations that come which have come along you know they've been important but i don't think they've been quite as important as that they didn't damage um the the uh, the network activity i mean if you go back to something like the covid crisis you know, COVID is a is a virus which is not very nice. It no. doesn't affect, but it doesn't impact the blockchain, does it? And so it was kind of the it was kind of the financial crisis element of it that brought Bitcoin down, the sort of the, the panic, and the stimulus brought it straight back up. But at no point was there a direct direct link between a human virus and uh, and computer code. <laughs> You know, was not a, if it had been a computer virus, that would have been a real problem for you know, potentially yeah. for, for Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes things can happen where you just get events which don't actually directly control, but they just sort of shift sentiment. I think the regulatory stuff has been more like that because yeah. we haven't actually had uh, much stuff that's directly impacted activity. So, yeah. so I guess I got a question. I got a question for you on on China, which you know I find you know obviously China, uh, the the Communist Party of China views this as a threat. Um, can we have a vibrant Bitcoin price without participation of China? Obviously, they're green lighting gold. You know the, that's still being bought and sold. It's just I, I'm just kind of curious what, what or do we get to a point where they U-turn or? or do the people revolt? I mean, I'm just trying to think through my head how this changes because I have a hard time understanding how we can leave China out of the mix um, or or do they just participate behind the scenes if that's possible? I would well, love to get your take. Well, I think that they participate in some way behind the scenes, but it's not going to be as prominent as it was. But as I said earlier, you know, to maximize the value of Bitcoin, you want the network as big as possible. Yeah. So if you take away a billion people, that's, you know, well, that, that, that's, that's a disappointment long term. Yeah. So, you know, the more people on this planet owning Bitcoin, using Bitcoin, trading Bitcoin, the more valuable Bitcoin is. Yeah. So let, let's let's look for another billion rather than <laughs> well, well, get rid of a billion. Scott had a Scott, you you highlighted a tweet that killed me. I was like, so the president, uh, well, now ex-president, I don't know. Ex-president of Afghanistan, yeah, recent ex-president. So what he, what he he basically left with so much money, Scott. What was he filling the filling his? He helicopter. had four cars of cash, and it was too much for his helicopter, so he had to leave some behind. And I was like, "How's this? This guy is number one, case number one for Bitcoin right here." 
it's it's yeah. incredible that that you know that it's still like when, when you think of just you know just that simple use case there but it, you know broader obviously a very sad situation have happening in afghanistan let alone the president just leaving and taking all his his uh um ill-gotten gains if you will but you know at the end of the day um bitcoin in terms of uh when we think about people leaving uh countries uh the it is it is functionally the better way you know to leave a country with with your value yeah but no, so I, I think that's an advantage you know but the the, the 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 only counter i'd say is you find a really good country with a really good reputation for um, asset protection like switzerland yeah and and you have decent payment rails put on top and there hasn't been a let's face it there hasn't been a really good gold token launch yet but but if there were I could see that being nearly as good. Right. That's a great point. Hmm. So I have a question for you on the utility of Bitcoin, because that's still, you know, one of the um, proponents of Bitcoin will speak to the utility, you know, down the road, it's going to increase. I'm wondering your take on, as you see Ethereum, more and more projects are popping up on Ethereum or other coins and Bitcoin is having issues with, you know, less mining coming out of China. If the utility argument starts to be weakened, does that hurt Bitcoin, or do you think Bitcoin is really it? It ends up as a store of value, so it's not as important to the price of Bitcoin. If people admit that it doesn't really have that utility, you're not going to be buying coffee with it down the road. Yeah, well, you're never going to buy coffee with something that you know back in February was or April was fifty bucks a transaction. Now I know there are layers, the lightning layers, and so forth that you can you, you can do all that on. But nevertheless, it, it, it's not really designed for that kind of transaction. And and it's too volatile to buy coffee. I mean, you know, one day you're only going to have half a cup of coffee. The other day you're going to have two cups. So, you know, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Maybe one day it can, it's an asset. It's not a currency. It's an asset, for God's sake. We know that. And um, then you're right. I, I, I think that the link between busyness and, um, and, and value in crypto is absolutely clear and always has been. And there's no doubt about it. And and it's it's like um, um, you know it, with, with 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 the Bitcoin. Whenever you 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 basically see a pickup in activity, um, you, you you know all the sort of consolidation periods we've seen in the past, 2015 would be a classic for this. It just slowly picks up, picks up, picks up. People are talking about it. There's no hype whatsoever, and then bull market begins. You know, very similar things sort of happened in 2019, 20 as well. You know, without notwithstanding a couple of nasty shocks with COVID and so forth, but it's just it's busyness, and Ethereum is just designed to be busy. Yeah, and so therefore you can see that it's that it's you know you need it. So you used to have to buy Bitcoin to buy anything. If you wanted to buy Doge, God knows why you'd want to do it. But if you wanted to, you'd have to buy Bitcoin first. Right. And now you don't. Yeah. So that that is a problem. So then, you, you, as I said, you're you're now onto the gold argument, and. Um, and Bitcoin, you know, could could it pull this off? Well, I think it probably will, um, but it's not it's not a done deal, and it's not going straight straight to twelve trillion. There's there, there are risks on the way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the limited supply thing. I mean, yes, I like limited supply because unlimited supply is terrible. We know unlimited supply is terrible. Ask yeah. the Venezuelan government. Yeah, Zimbabwe. But, but but limited supply doesn't doesn't mean value creation. It just means stability. Yeah. 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 So I mean, you've got, to, you've, got to have, you've got to have the credibility of of known supply, low supply, known supply, um, and and increasing use case to create value. So, but it always comes back to use case. Yeah, 
So even if it's digital gold, it's got to be a busy digital gold. It's going to be growing. That's right. Now, Charlie, you, you, Bite Tree has a very unique model, and I'd love for you to give it the overview, the bold strategy. And I know, um, could you give us just the bedrock of this strategy? Help us understand, you know, um, how how it operates, and then ultimately how you know how investors can get access to it. But I think this is truly something that I think. Uh, as I was understanding, reading it, this is institutional grade, and this is something that everyone can has access to. Just get, if if you could, that I'd love to have that overview. Sure. So you're talking about bold, and bold is Bitcoin plus gold equals bold, and it's a simple idea that um, the old hard asset and the new hard asset uh, put them together, and you get um, a, 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 a quite interesting outcome. Now. What you know, what I like is the fact that Bitcoin collapsed in April. Yeah, what went up in April? Gold went up in April. Right. Yeah. Right. What did gold do in Q2, Q3 last year? Q, you know, up, up, up yeah, up. yeah. And, and, and then you know, early August, Bitcoin, gold's a bit of a bubble. Bitcoin's still at 10k. Bitcoin, what's still around? Bitcoin's still here. And then gold starts coming down, and then Bitcoin starts going up. Yeah. And, and by the time that Bitcoin's at 64K, everyone's written off gold. So don't be ridiculous. You know, $25 billion leaves the ETFs. Mm-hmm. So you've got this counter-cyclicality between them. They both like inflation because they're hard assets. But gold is very clearly a risk-off asset. Yeah. If the world economy was inflation, if, if, the, econ- if, if the economy was inflationary and it was dead at the same time, stagflation, yeah, yeah. gold would thrive. But when you're in a risk-on environment with this inflationary, like we've had the last year, Bitcoin thrives. So you've got a natural, a natural, um, um, not not perfect um, negative correlation, but you've got some sort of sort of low correlation between them. And so, if you rebalance uh, Bitcoin to gold and you know buy the weaker one each month, then you accumulate both assets. Now, obviously, if if Bitcoin goes up ten times the next decade and, and gold doubles, you, you you wish to own Bitcoin. I'm not going to apologise for that, but yeah. But if the if the returns were approximately the same, let's say they both went up ten times or both went up two times over the next decade, then you would actually make a lot more money in a rebalancing strategy than you would do just by owning both assets. A lot more, right? Particularly when one's really volatile. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so, literally, whenever Bitcoin's on its on its ass, you buy it and you sell gold to do so. And and when Bitcoin's you know to the moon, you're going the other way. Now, what what you're waiting? If you're aggressive, you do 50-50. We, we've gone for this long-term volatility argument, going back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago. Right. And, and basically, Bitcoin's long-term volatility is around 60%. Yeah, if you do it on a 12-month basis, and yeah. gold's around 20. And so we just invert that. And so you end right. up with uh, 80-20 in favor of gold at the moment. Hmm. Now, if Bitcoin, sorry, yeah, if Bitcoin comes structurally um, less volatile and comes down to 20%, um, alongside gold, then it becomes a 50-50 operation. So it's you know it's catering for the long-term change in the relationship between the two on a simple metric. Yeah, makes a ton Not of sense. I was going to ask about volatility, and I knew you got there, right? You have, you have that built into the model, so very interesting. Yeah. And it's really, it's a really simple idea, but you know you don't have to come to us to get that done. You can do it yourself. But the thing about rebalancing is no one does it. <laughs> so everyone's read the book. So oh, rebalancing, that's a good idea. <laughs> now, then your, your diary says, oh, it's the first rebalance. Oh, no, not this month. And no a, a holder <laughs> would never rebalance. Come on. <laughs> no, one ever, no one ever does it. So I think it's, you know, it's a simple service. 
Um, but please, buy tree asset management, uh, bold. Um, look up, look it up there. And, and we, we, you know, I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed to mention funds by by uh, by law. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, fantastic. And I think we got a code uh, as well. So if uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I can mention it or, uh, you, well, we'll put it. We'll put it in the descriptor here. Yeah. So those, yeah. Yeah, for those yeah, listening, Grizzle Tree, Grizzle, Grizzle Tree, Grizzle Tree. I like so, it. Yeah. <laughs> To confirm, to, confirm to, to, to clarify, Bytree.com is a sort of data research site, yeah. and Bytree Asset Management is a fun site. And on Bytree.com, we've got some fun stuff. I write a weekly. Charlie Arif, my colleague, writes a weekly. Our, our analyst does a token piece. Um, so there's lots going on there, lots of good information. And right. um, type in Grizzle Tree, and, and you get a, a month free. Fantastic. Exciting. Exciting. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we like reading that as well. So anyone out there, if you're seeing, if you just want some more insight from guys who are, you know, living this living crypto every day, it's a, it's a great place to visit, to add to your, you know, cycle of information where you try to keep on top of the, the cryptocurrency market. In fact, I don't mind. We're just doing a, a three part series that the part two goes out tomorrow on central bank digital currencies. Yeah. Right. And it, it's a really interesting conversation because, okay, these are boring, right? These are fear. This is, this is, you know, Canadian dollar, British pound kind of stuff. It's, you know, you're not going to double your money here. You might harm <laughs> it over the next 10 years, but you won't double it. <laughs> and um, so it's just fiat money. But, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the government sort of looking around saying, wow, we can join the 21st century. And, and the implications of digital money, um, you know, should the government run it or should private sector do it like, like the stable coins and so forth? There's so many questions, and it's really, it's really an interesting area to to observe. Now, I think I would think even non-crypto people need to understand this. Yeah. And, and I just, last point, but I've already got digital money, haven't I? I've already got it. It's on my phone. I've got a bank app. No, because what you have is a bank deposit. Yeah, you have a deposit with a bank. A digital right. money is a deposit with a central bank. Yeah, big yeah. difference. So banks, banks don't have, like that. If you if you went that route, huh? Sorry. Banks would not like that if you went that route, right. just so dealing with the central the, bank. That's one of the many questions. Data, privacy, security, hacking risk, systemic risk. I mean, there's so many things here. And why the hell would the state be involved in something like this? You know, is that a good thing? Or is it for China? But should it be for a free country? Yeah. And so I think there's, there's quite a few interesting um, uh, uh, things here. But of course, we've always had access to the central bank. It's called cash. You know, right. That is our, our relationship with the central bank without the without the funny banks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're just trying to digitize this. And I think it's really important for people to understand the difference between a, a digital bank, bank deposit, an app on your phone with your bank, and central bank digital currency. So Charlie, I gotta ask you. So you know, as it's a it's a great intersect here where you have uh, central banks, you know, releasing their digital currencies and then you have this whole issue with tether stable coins i what's the interplay here and uh, i guess just broader question on stable coins is this um people obviously viewing this as the linchpin that you know this is this is what could you know uh tip the apple cart uh, so to speak your thoughts on stable coins and then obviously do they get replaced by these uh central banking digital currencies well i'm hoping for free societies won't issue um, central bank digital currencies. I know there's a lot of discussion about it. Yeah. And the reason is because everyone thinks it's a good idea apart from the Swiss. And since the Swiss are the only people who understand money, I'm going to listen to the Swiss. <laughs> Love it. And, <laughs> and, and so, so everyone, it's a real FOMO thing going out there. Yes, China should do it because they're authoritarian. Absolutely, they should. 
Yeah. Um, it's good for them. But I don't think that a free country should do it. And, you know, what is a stable coin? Well, it's a money market fund on crypto payment rails. Yeah. And what is what is Circle? Well, it's a, it's a pretty good money market fund on payment rails. What is Tether? It's a pretty bad money market fund on crypto payment rails. So, you know, that's just to put it into, into you know, it is a simple terms of, of, of what it is. And you know, I think that, that we should let the, the stable coins um, um, succeed and thrive, regulate them, watch them, keep them, keep us safe, that kind of stuff. And I wish the central banks would sort of back down a bit. I've got a question here uh, from Jeff, YouTube. Thanks, guys. Uh, uh, will um, or it, will Bitcoin uh, be a reserve current, a crypto reserve currency? Like, do we see a time where where that you know that becomes a thing? Um, you, you know, obviously we have Venezuela, but it, 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 among G seven, G eight, is there anyone close to that? And is obviously is that a watershed moment? And your thoughts on on how that timeline evolves? I don't know, and I and I. I, I, I don't really have a grand vision because, you know, it changes all the time and, yeah. and I sort of stop worrying about it. You know, I take each day as it comes and see what's new and what's, what's old and what's not working, what is working. And it, it's, it, it's, it's created destruction on steroids, this space. Yeah. Long-term predictions are really, are really crazy things. But, you yeah. know, I hope that Bitcoin always has a role. But I'm also well aware of what happened to AOL. And Google, and, and right. we've seen it. We've seen it so many times in so many yep. industries. To assume that Bitcoin is a done deal, um, I think, is is strange. Yep. So that's why I mean, that's why I I believe in active management. And I think that there are a lot of people in the world who have no time for crypto, and there are a lot of people in the world who just love crypto. Um, but I think that there's a really small group of impartial analysts of which we're part. We're a part, and it's such a small group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, like you know, I just the, the problem. I get, the problem with the whole, you know, the Bitcoiner world. It, it it just gets into that. You know, I, so I managed a gold fund in Canada, um, and the people that I stayed away from were the gold bugs. You know, for they just you know they 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 were just so focused on a a outcome. Um, that was just like, it just was just so myopic without other iterations, without evaluating other iterations that I just found that this was, this was the crazy camp, right? And if you looked at it, they missed the entire tech revolution, yet they still believe that one day, you know, effectively Jesus gold will, you know what I mean? It's this nonstop view that, you know, it'll happen and the world will change and you're done and I'm a winner. I'm like, I'm not sure if that's how it turns out. And I'm pretty sure if I got a gun, it's not going to turn out that way. And it's just like the Bitcoiners feel the same. You know what I mean? Where are you going to put your USB stick? I'll find that too. If that's where it's, you know, I just, it just all just seems so kooky. You know what I mean? It's just like bet on growth, but still have this, you know, have this, uh, you know, have this thing that if you, if you will. And I think that this, this strategy you guys got laid out, it makes a ton of sense to protect yourself from that risk that, you know, things go off the rails, inflation, et cetera. Yeah. Now, Charlie, yeah. I wanted to ask you, so bold looks really interesting. Do you guys have um, other products available or you have other things planned that you'd like to roll out? Like how do you guys think of your, your product roadmap or what'd you like it be? Yeah, we, we've got, we've got one Bitcoin strategy, which is literally a, a, um, um, the concept of own Bitcoin when all the ducks in a row. So you can see the inflows, the macro is good, the network's healthy, this, the technicals are nice. You know, you put all those things together, 
own Bitcoin, low risk to own Bitcoin. And we just highlight that it's high risk when those things are not aligned. Uh, right now, the technicals are good. Macro so-so, you know, it's it's not bad, but it's not particularly good either. The dollar the dollar collapse of last year is kind of kind of over now, isn't it? And so uh, you're starting to see uh, pressure in tech stocks, pressure in Chinese equities. So, so there are some negatives starting to appear on the macro side. And so, I, I, and so it's just riskier to own Bitcoin today than it was, you know, six months ago. Six months ago, it was so, well, not even six months ago, I mean, last last summer, you know, in June, July, it was just so obviously a buy back then. In fact, we called it in March 2020. And, and, and that was, you know, those are the times when I'm banging the table thinking, this is great. But then you have to wait a couple of years for the next time to do that. And it's that, that's that's tough, you know, the waiting game for, for strong, clean, um, uh, low-risk buy signals. They don't come around very often. It's and, a hard part know, of investing, yeah, just the, the patience. It's a hard thing. I mean, Buffett was the genius. He said, wait for the fat pitch. Yeah. And, you know, no one does, but he does. And it, it kind of works, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All less it's, effort. Uh, it makes a ton of sense. Well, Charlie, you know, this has been super enlightening. Uh, you know, it's 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 great to talk to somebody who uh, who who sees the you know sees the spectrum from gold uh, to to Bitcoin and the possibility that you know that that things don't work out exactly as uh, as the fundamentalists believe. And I think that that's something that uh, that people should consider. Obviously, crypto crypto is a dynamic space. Lots of new things happening. We're seeing that obviously with Ethereum, NFTs, the rest. But um, I, you look forward to having you having you back, having your team members yeah. back. Yeah, we'd uh, love to have some guys from your team back too. Get everyone. You have to get you have to get young Tom. He puts the rest yeah. of us in shame. He, he knows all about the uh, the fun stuff in the space. I'd love hey. to hear about it. Yeah, great, Charlie. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll have you back on soon enough, and uh, uh, the other team as well. But uh, yeah, Bite Tree Asset Management and uh, Grizzle Tree. If if uh, you want to Bite Tree to the the whole, you can get your crypto overlay. Do that. One That's month, month free. free. One month free. There you go. There you go. Uh, Bitetree.com. Bitetree.com. And that's at Bitetree.com. Grizzle Tree. Um, use it. Uh, go check it out. Charlie, thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you, guys. It's been a lot of fun.